And good morning, everyone, and welcome to the All Things SR podcast. How are you this morning, Leslie? I'm well, Pam. How are you? I cannot believe we're like past, we're in the last part of October. We're almost to October and we're in the last part of September. It's amazing to me. It's the last weekend of summer. (laughs) I'm sure. Now, Pam, (laughs) that hurts my heart. Hashtag endless summer. You know, I don't go into that, but I I will, I will be okay with people saying happy fall. (laughs) <laughs> Once fall actually begins, September twenty second, and so. it's the and it's the unmentionable coffee season and cereal and <laughs> ice cream and milkshakes and and donuts donuts and, and cookies and <laughs> everything. Mm-hmm. It season. is is ad infinitum. It's actually ad nauseum, I think. And yeah, that's and I like pumpkin it. spice. I am not anti pumpkin spice. I do like pumpkin spice flavoring. <laughs> I, I like the spices in pumpkin pie, so hence I do like it. But um, I I've uh, you know I I'm, I'm not like racing to Starbucks the first day they put out their pumpkin spice. <sighs> I'm not one of those. I. You know, I like the pie. I like the baked goods. I, you know, that's that's kind of where my allegiance lives with it. But Betty, but I'll try it. Betty reminds us, don't forget the candles. <laughs> yes. Now, I don't know whether you find this around your grocery stores or not, but outside of the my grocery store or in the floral apartments, they have these big pine cones, and they are scented. God knows what, because mm-hmm. they smell awful. <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking about. Oh, I like the. I do like spice candles, though. I do. So I would. I would. I would do. I don't know if I'd have a pumpkin spice candle, but I'd. Ha- I've had spice candles before. Yeah, I guess I, uh, Yankee Candle has a harvest one that I like. Mm, nice. Yeah. What spices are in it or how it's, I don't know. All I know is it's mm-hmm. got pictures of corn on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm laughing because Ashley was saying about lavender scented candles, which are always lovely. But Betty, <laughs> Betty made the comment that pie is good, but pumpkin spice condoms are a no-no. That, well, that's true. That's true. And I have found them on the internet. Yes. I, just, I, I know. Just for I just the think sake that's... of putting it out there, you know, you, you can get them. <laughs> <laughs> did you send uh did you send that note to SR? Did did, I, did he I, react? I, I tagged him in a photo of it, yes. I, <laughs> and I, I don't know whether it was a laugh or a sigh or a cry or, or like an oh dear. <laughs> that is so funny. Hilarious. Oh god help us all. Yeah, it's you know, we're we're fortunate it's finally nice weather today. Mm-hmm. Um, Brenda, I'm hoping things are okay down in your part of the country. Um, post-storm, still in recovery mm-hmm. with all the other storms that kind of keep hitting you. I hope you're doing okay. Glad to see Cheryl's on. I hope she's at the salon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Betty, it was probably a cringe. I agree. Yeah. Um, Black Lab ladies on as well um and Lori from texas it's so good to see you this morning i'm glad you guys could join us for this chapter because it's a good one yeah it is a good one i am just you know what can i tell you (laughs) 
Yeah, well, although we are kind of going through um, the, qu- I'm going through a little bit of quiz withdrawal. Are you? We we were so lucky to have Betty um, do our birthday quizzes the past two weeks. So. Yes, we were. We were very lucky to have that. <laughs> it was super fun to have have you on, Betty. Um, and Brenda's noting we are better than better the rain this week, but the ri- we are better the rain this week didn't help. But we are blessed asking for prayers who lost a lot. Yeah. There's coming your way. I I, uh, had a saw a quick note from Annette, and she's having the adjuster coming Wednesday to look at her roof, and she thinks that probably half her house is a problem. So, Mm. (sighs) anyway, the important thing is everybody's safe, safe, Mm -hmm. and that's that's really everything when it comes down to it. Things can be replaced as painful and as stressful as that is. And people cannot be, which is, mm-hmm. which is it. So, anyway, you, well, you got any plans today? I do. I'm actually heading towards uh, Ashley's neck of the woods. I'm heading towards Lancaster to go to um, meet my friend for lunch in the city. Um, who I worked with several years ago, and she she moved away, so I'm really looking for, forward to seeing her. It's um, super exciting. Oh, I'm really, good. really glad. And Cheryl, we are going to say big prayers and lots of hugs for Grandpa. Her yep. Grandpa has his big toe amputated. We had to put him in the nursing home because he had a 360-degree downfall. It's bad right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, Cheryl. Sending you guys lots of hugs and prayers. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It is hard. I I have my friend's mother just had a few. um, She actually had some toes amputated as well. Um, And it's it's a it's a it's a long recovery. But, you know, hopefully he'll be able (laughs) to um, stabilize and get better. Yeah. It's hard because I know uh, my neighbor Phil is the same age as your grandfather Cheryl, and I know that this summer has taken a toll on him, and you can really see the difference in him too. So, hasn't had any toes amputated, but he's always uh, going into the hospital because he doesn't like the air conditioning, and with the humidity and, and at his age, it's very hard to breathe. So you have to yell at him to make sure that the air conditioner's on. Especially his doctor. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I'm, um, you know, keep keep. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that really helps is having him hear things that he likes. So if mm-hmm. he has music that he loves, if he wants to listen to the audiobook of Gabriel's Inferno, um, I know that really helped healing for a friend of mine. Um, even when she was um, kind of unconscious just having the music on she she was reacting well to it so mm-hmm. and Brenda that's so sweet she's going to go light a candle for him oh, it is nice. sad seeing him like that and and Cheryl says prayers for all our elderly people yes 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 mm-hmm. yes please mm-hmm. that would be wonderful so Pam yes. I wanted to find out um I saw has a bit of music mm-hmm. Aww. Cheryl gave him her iPad and told Aww. them to listen. Oh, that's Aww. great. That's great. That is super. 
So, uh, not a lot of news this week, but you know, he, he wanted to make SR wanted to make sure that you know that the man in the black suit is now available on the Kiss app, and the Passion Flick store should be opening soon with new merchandise. Allie mentioned some of her ideas, and readers will like them. She, she he says. Um, he also knows that readers will be excited to know that Gabriel's Rapture Part 1 will air on Passion Flicks in November, and more details will emerge about it soon. So. I cannot wait. I can't either. I mean, I, I, well, I'm feeling we're going to get a couple more teasers. Just don't overdo it, please. And uh, maybe a trailer probably at the end of, uh, I would say, close to the end of October. Um. But, we shall see. But I am not the scheduler, so I don't know. We shall see. I just know that um, I'm actually not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready to watch this movie. <laughs> I know it's part one. It's going to just be mm-hmm. so good. Um, I've been, you know, I, I, Pam and I actually connected last week. Um, to work last Sunday mm-hmm. to work on our chapters for the Emmer Zoom, which has now switched to Friday evenings, U.S. Um, West East Coast time, 9 p.m. I didn't get to listen last night. I'm going to have to follow. But I think they had Allie from Passion Flicks on. Anyone on last night's Emmer Zoom? Uh, and if you have, let us know. I, yeah. You know, my... my ever wonderful nine-year-old going on 10-year-old granddaughter is here visiting with me this weekend so we were watching um some society of benedict something or other on disney Mm -hmm. and um and we've watched cruella a few times so uh, that's always fun fun. and ashley ashley noted um it was crazy (laughs) last night Mm -hmm. so it was good. Allie will be on next week, she said. Technical problems, but we got through. Well, that's okay. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys, you know, were able to check. I'm going to try and watch the um, recap. Betty saw the Emmer Zoom for a little while, but I couldn't stay for the whole chat. She didn't see Allie. So, um, yes, well, hopefully um, things will work out fine. Allie will be on next week, mm-hmm. and um, she'll be able to give a little more <laughs> Emmer Zoom after dark. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I know it was a struggle for them to decide about switching the time. And I know it's hard because people, some people, especially in Europe, are not going to have a chance really unless they are let night owls or right. insomniacs to catch it live. But the good thing is you can see the recording and you can participate during the week in the chat room. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I encourage you to do that. And Miss Betty, I know Cruella's not a bad film. We saw, Isabella and I saw it when it first came out in the movie theater in May. That's and awesome. It, the soundtrack, um, my, as Isabella tells me, I get nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> Great soundtrack, I must say. And oh, fantastic. So, just a... I mean, it's worth the soundtrack alone, <laughs> in my in my world. So that's... I've heard I've I I've heard a lot of good um, reviews on Corella. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to 
I would like to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think you can get it on Disney Plus it's as well, Disney right? Plus if I'm... And, yeah, and it's uh, it's not a premium access, so it's if you have Disney Plus, you can just go in and watch it. Great. So, yes. So I so, recommend it, as does Isabella. Ah, and <laughs> Ashley said yes. Love the soundtrack of Corella. Mm-hmm. So that'll you know, be you, something. You go from Blondie to The Doors to Supertramp to The Clash. Great, oh, anyway. that is a that is a stellar soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that would be really, really um, worthwhile. And, you know, we've talked about this before in the context of the Gabriel's Inferno movie. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack brings so much to a film. Oh, it does. And that's actually one of the things I'm excited about for the upcoming uh, Rapture Part 1. Yeah, because yeah. I, I understand that Red Carter's uh, doing a song, another song for uh, Rapture, which is yeah, that's that's going to be good. That's and be good. I, I think we have um, we do have Allie to thank mm-hmm. for that because yeah. she she has a personal connection with him. Right. Um, what a beautiful job he did for the first film. He did. And just incorporating some of our favorites, uh, that Matthew Barber moment. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. That was just just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. very much looking forward to it. And as Betty also mentioned, the zombies are on there and Nancy Sinatra. And I related a story to Isabella when we were driving down about the zombie song. When I was... A little, not much older than she was. Um, one of the things I got for Christmas was this uh, portable, it was like a transistor radio, but with a turntable to it. So for those of you who don't know, we when I was that age, we did not have iPads. We did not have Spotify. We did not have, um, we didn't even have Walkmans. So... You had a, a, uh, a transistor radio that hopefully would get a local radio station wherever you played it. It was always on batteries, so and you couldn't recharge them either. So my parents had got me this this thing, and yes, I could play I could play records on it, and it was on battery. It was like the first portable music thing I ever had. And we were driving from uh, Av- Avalon, New Jersey which is the shore town along the east coast of the U.S., back to Philadelphia. And on my poor parents, it was dark, and I kept playing that zombie song over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Lift the needle up, place it right down where it's supposed to be. So I think my, I think my father was ready to kill me when we got, got out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, music brings such good memories, though. I, and I think, you know, it's it's. this is just telling. Um, Betty noted she was listening to This Side of Heaven the other day, and it just gave her chills. It's mm-hmm. so good. And Brenda noted that he did a song for Driven as well. Oh, that's great. So, that's great. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Really, really good stuff. And, you know, it's it's another example of how all of the arts can come together. Mm-hmm. And um, bring you this kind of really awesome experience. And, you know, we see this in SR's writing all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just excited that he's been able to not just 
bring a beautiful story to the forefront, but also raise so many, um, you know, so much awareness of a lot of different works of art, Mm -hmm. of literature and of music in his works. So that's true. So shall we begin? We should. Chapter 33 in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. On the eve of evening of Thanksgiving, right? Yep. Am I right? Right after dinner. Right. It's after dinner. It's after dinner. It's after they were cleaning up. It's after Gabriel saw the suspicious car he saw in Boston and ran after it and actually broke its window with as good aim. Um, And he came in and was getting ready to go and then brought her out as as they journeyed to the orchard. And it starts um, as Julia unbuttons her coat and they walk across the back toward the orchard. It was warmer than she had realized, um, especially in November. And Gabriel was briskly walking, so that also warmed her up. Of course, being near Gabriel, I think, would warm her up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's held on to her hand tightly and had a flashlight illuminating the way. So you can envision them walking. It's kind of warm. She's unbuttoning her coat because she thought she'd be freezing. Um, and her leg was bothering her, um, but she was trying to keep up with him. And she recognized she was in denial trying to keep it from everyone. Gabriel and from Dr. Rubio because she just was hoping it would disappear. And I think we can all relate to that sometimes if you're feeling not right or if something's going on that you keep thinking, oh, this is going to get better. You know, um, I think everyone can relate to that kind of feeling. Oh, yeah. Um, But I also think it's weighing on her because, number one, she's worried And number two, she's not telling Gabriel everything. So she's kind of holding back. And I think that's uh, a little troubling. And so as they're picking their way through the woods, they're maneuvering over branches and sticks. And Julia was kind of thinking about her memory issues as well. And she was so tired. She was so sleep deprived, even though um, the 2 a.m. feeding uh, ended. So she she has a little more sleep than she was getting, but it doesn't seem to be helping. And in her academic studies, it seems she had to reread everything she had just read, unlike before. So she was having focusing issues. Mm-hmm. And I, that is definitely a side effect of not getting enough sleep or being highly distracted. Novels were different, however. I mean, she could read on her cell phone and how many of us have done this, right? Uh Um, I have a Kindle app on my cell phone. She could read on her cell phone at night or early in the morning. And that would be, you know, that's something she could kind of follow and just fall into. But Uh academic reading, especially when you're at the doctorate level is a lot different and you need to have that focus. And she's just been struggling. So as they meander through, Gabriel's like, careful, um, because his flashlight shown on a large branch and he actually grabbed her at the waist and lifted her right over it. Um, again, if this was on film, I think that would be such a precious, I can totally see, I can totally see the professor lifting her over the branch. Um, 
She laughed while she did this. She she did appreciate his gallantry and his his wanting to help and protect her. She had been in these woods many times and thought that she could find her way back, even when dark, even when she remembered the time she got lost. The mind or human memory was like the sea, she pondered, its current on constant motion. But it would carry bits to the surface, just like getting lost would bubble up on occasion in her dreams, unwanted and unrelenting. And I think that was, you know, even though this has been their special place. They have been there mm-hmm. countless times by now, but she still has that memory, that really frightening memory of being lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, she clasped Gabriel's arm tighter as they got closer to the orchard. Not far now, he said. And we asked SR about the whole memory piece. Um, and I, I, you know, I said, why did you choose to include Julia's musing over her memory challenges in this scene? Love the sea metaphor, by the way, which I did. I really, I really liked, I really liked when he said the mind or human memory was like the sea, it's current on constant motion. Cause I just, I, I thought that was a really mm-hmm. good metaphor. Um, and he said, I was thinking about the mind and the way human beings think. I think, I thought it was interesting. And we also said, I like how you weave the mind and memory back into the chapter when Julia notes that grief clouds the mind. Do you believe that to be true? Thank you. Yes, I do. So, and and I'm seeing in the chat that um, Betty said, it's a good thing it was warmer than usual because if it were the other way around, I don't think Julia would be so willing to take anything off. Well, now you never know the way the body heats itself up, keeps you warm. <laughs> yeah, um, and and she wondered which novels Julia had read, and I I should have asked him that. I was thinking of that. Um, mm-hmm. SR's writing is so poetic. Ashley said Lori's also wondering too about what books Julia was reading. Maybe we'll ask him that next week. Mm-hmm. And Brenda said, "Yep, always on my phone, reading." Reading the Kindle app. That, that, that's the great thing about having the Kindle app on your phone because, you, you know, you can have five minutes with nothing to do. Even when you're working, you're, you know, like you, you've taken, you're take, taken a break or whatever, you can sit there and open up the phone and get lost in, in a, uh, a paragraph or two or 20. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, wait if you have to wait anywhere, like in a doctor's office, it's always great. So. It is. And and before we uh, move on, I did want to do the side note Betty inserted. Yesterday was Buena Vista Social Club's 25th anniversary. Mm. iTunes released a special 25th anniversary edition, which is fantastic and I think so warranted during Hispanic Heritage Month. I just think Very that's true. wonderful. Very September 15th through October 15th um, is a celebration of Latino culture. And I just think that's fantastic to be thrown in there. Major League Baseball had Roberta Clemente Day mm-hmm. um, earlier this week as well, honoring um, service um, over south. Um, for those of you who don't know his story, he was a, a Pittsburgh Pirate baseball player um, who did so many amazing acts of kindness. He's a Puerto Rican, um, I will say an icon in Puerto Rico. Um, mm-hmm. He is beloved in the Latino community. Um, and he uh, was flying um, 
flying was, goods and services yeah. um, in a humanitarian mission on uh, New Year's Day and um, in the 70s, I think 74, and his plane went down yeah, um, as he was trying to help um, take care of people after the, I think it was an earthquake in Nicaragua, if I'm I not think, mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. And also, I know that Major League Baseball retired his number yeah. as well, which is what they do on certain things for certain people, certain players. Yeah. And also, as Betty noted, today is Batman Day. Ah. Zowie pow. Because <laughs> there's been a lot of Batmans, but my favorite I know. is still the TV series from the 60s. Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> um, Betty gets her books from the Apple Bookstore. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. same. And when a meeting or training drones on and on, yay, Kindle app, Hannah says. <laughs> Anna, it's that's true. hilarious. That's true. I love it. Wonderful number 21. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so some good things there. And just um, since SR included Buena Vista Social Club in, uh, in his work, I think uh, thank you for mentioning that, Betty. That's, that's super special. Mm-hmm. And uh, good morning, Ellie. We are talking about chapter 33 and a little nod to the 25th anniversary of the Buena Vista Social Club. Um, Not sure if you heard that as you were joining. So um, (laughs) Betty says, drunk Gabriel from the audiobook always reminds me of Batman from the 60s. (laughs) Yes, that's great. (laughs) It is fun. That is great. So, you know, so they're walking along this path and Gabriel's helping her cross over these branches and she's holding on to them a little tighter because she's a little nervous about walking in the uh, in in the woods at the, that moment. So uh, as they step into the clearing, Gabriel's looking out over at the orchard and he's like, oh, this is paradise. Mm. They put the blanket down and, you know, he, he sets Julie in the center of the blanket and you know, she's, he's like, you know, just, you know, just sort of relax, recline, and uh, switching off the flashlight, he mentioned that Catherine had emailed him, and asking him if, it, if she could come for Christmas with Claire and, and the family, and uh, he hadn't responded because he wanted to ask her first. It was okay for her, but she asked about Richard, and, uh, you know, Julie, it was okay, and, uh, what about Richard? Is it okay for him? And I can just imagine uh, Rachel's wheels turning at that point too when she comes out. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. Mm-hmm. So Gabriel mentioned that yeah, she would be uh, call asking him. Um, he he then suggested that she uh, maybe talk to Catherine and maybe find out about uh, tell her about what's going on with Cecilia. And he's kind of tense when he's telling her about this. And, uh, you know, she's saying, you know, it's going to, he's telling her, it's going to come out. No matter what, it's going to come out. So maybe you should mention it to her. But Julie reminded him that it was still her decision and uh, then changed the subject. And, you know, she's, then she's like, well, what do you like about the orchard? Yeah, so she asked him. And uh, he says, 
He took his time answering. He says, because it's peaceful and the woods are thick and even in the fall you feel like you're in your own private world because you can't, you know, like the world, it's, it's like its own bubble. So I know yesterday when I, when I was finished going over the notes and finishing this up, I, I immediately thought of Robert uh, Frost's poem, um, mm. Stopping by a Forest on the Snowy Evening, I think it is. And uh, just, I don't know, it just, it just sort of hit. I just, it just seemed to go together. Um, anyway, they, uh, you know, so she she lifts his hands and she kisses his hand. I and, love that. Yeah. And Again, let's have this on film, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, he also said he can think here. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I really do believe there are places where you can, any, you know, that you can go and you find peace and calm. And I know for me it was when my uncle had his house in in. South Jersey, that it was a nice dock that looked out on the bay, and in the early morning, um, and it didn't matter whether it was December or August, you could go out with a cup of coffee and sit on the dock, and there was just such peace around it, and you could really work things out in your head. Um, so he, but he turned, he asked uh, what she was thinking about, and she said, you know, well, it's, She's been thinking about his lectures, actually. And he wants to know what about them. And she's like, well, it's the fanciness of everything. You know, they had that big formal dinner, reception, all the media in, uh, interest. and Right. It was a big, fancy, yeah. fancy to-do. It was a fancy to-do. And, you know, she's she's thinking about all this. And she said, she's looking at him and she's at, with admiration saying it. You know, you could speak on anything you wanted and people would listen. And, you know, he's like, well, I'm a Dante, I'm, I'm a Dante special. So they expect me to speak about Dante. She was in sheep, but saying that was his specialty, but he could really speak to anything and people would listen. And, you know, but there was some things he needed to work out about Dante. Right, right. And, you know, um, she asked him what you know what is he thinking and before I get into that piece of it I did mm-hmm. want to note in the chat box um <laughs> that he said if I were Julia I would just ask Gabriel to carry me you know what scratch that instead Paul carry me of course <laughs> of course I was waiting to hear about your beloved Betty it's it's mm-hmm. you know you waited a little bit of time today to, that, to slide him right. in there mm-hmm. um and Brenda said of course you would and uh, both Betty and Brenda made notes about they not being able to see Professor Picton and Richard as a couple. No. Um, Betty said not even after drinking a bottle of scotch. And um, Brenda said, yeah, she, she's too old for him. Not that age makes too much difference, but I can't see them together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think they're too different. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, they're too different. It's, 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 it's not... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not in the cards. So, you know, Julia's, uh, you know, pressing Gabriel a little bit about, you know, what what are these things you want to work out? And I think this is great because this is when the fact that they both um, study Dante, um, I think, can be a real benefit. You know, they can bounce ideas off of each other and mm-hmm. they both have this expertise and different um, different uh, knowledge bases. So. He had said, um, you know, I'm, I'm working things out about Dante and Beatrice. 
uh, he feels that Dante is hiding something in the Divine Comedy. He's not telling the whole story. Julia asked about what? And Gabriel then went on about how they marry other people. Um, Dante is devastated when Beatrice dies, and he resolves to be a better man. He writes poetry to his lost love. But he also admits that he strayed from the right path. And, you know, Beatrice tells Virgil that Dante did so out of fear. Um, and Julia says, so far, so good, you know, says Julia. That kind of tracking with what she studied and what mm -hmm. she understands. Um, but there's a passage in Purgatorio, he said, where Beatrice scolds him. The halftime show begins. Um, it's 99 days till Christmas, by the way. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yes. Um, I heard yesterday it was 100 days till Christmas, and I just couldn't wrap my brain around that. No, because it's very hard to wrap your brain around the fact that Christmas is you know, three months away. We're in endless summer right now. so You are. <laughs> I am. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretending. Um, Betty's wondering where does Paul go when he needs to think? And Ellie's saying, I'm more likely to see Rebecca and Richard develop their friendship, if not move into more. I just lost my stepdad this week, and I'm sad for my mom, who is also a Rebecca. Ellie, I'm so sorry to hear that. And we'll, we'll put and keep them in your prayer, keep them in our prayers. I'm really, really sorry to hear that. Um, that's, that is a very tough spot. So... As we're in the woods, as Julia and Gabriel are discussing um, Beatrice and Dante, um, the passage in Purgatory, oh, when Beatrice scolds him about other women, in that passage, Dante admits his guilt, bathes in the rhythm of forgiveness, and then the theological virtues declare him faithful to Beatrice. Wouldn't it be great if we had a river of forgiveness, right? We oh, could just please. dip ourselves in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I loved, I, I thought that was, you know. And then he, Gabriel turns to Julia saying, you cannot be faithless and faithful at the same time. And uh, we had a couple questions for SR on, um, on this part, you know, on, on the, the Gabriel um, musing on Dante and Beatrice. And we asked, and also on, on Dante, you know, himself and, and the story, why did Dante and Beatrice marry other people? We asked him, particularly if Beatrice defined love for Dante. He said, it's a good question. I think that at least in the case of Dante, he was in an arranged marriage and he only saw Beatrice for the second time after they were both married. So... Um, it was almost, I think, a case of, of timing. Yeah, well, being... I think a lot of it was, but, you know, and I, you know, I think, I think I read where Dante's marriage, while it was, um, prearranged, it was prearranged when they were both very, very young. Mm -hmm. And in, in that time of, of, uh, of the Renaissance, especially if you were of a, more noble family, and I think Dante's family was in a, le a, a lower noble family as opposed to, you know, the ruling higher noble families. 
Mm-hmm. Um, arranged marriages were, you know, they, they either added the coffers of people or, uh, it, you know, strategic as far as geography. There, you know, it, not all marriages like today, not all marriages were made out of, you know, a love relationship. Right. Not that all right. marriages are out of a love relationship today, but, but you know, what, what, but it was more, you know, mom and dad saw this girl family and they thought it was a good thing and put them all together. So it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, so Julie, you know, is telling him, saying, no, he can't. But the demon's point about Guido de Montefeltro sin. Uh, and he then asks Julia, so is he faithless or faithful? And Julia's, you know, they since they, and it is great that they can both go back and forth about Dante and, and all the information about that. Yeah. Um, is saying that you know that Dante always has more than one meaning. She tells him that Beatrice is talking to God, not Dante's devotion to her. And Dante feels guilt at the beginning of Inferno, but as it moves along, he he feels shame in front of Beatrice. So Julia doesn't understand how Beatrice can be so forgiving at the beginning of Inferno. And right. And, you know, she's saying that Dante is trapped by fear and she's begging Virgil to help him out. Um, but this is so condemning in Purgatorio. Uh, and Gabriel is agreeing with her as they're talking about this, so it's something he has to figure out. So Julia thought that it sounded like fun and he would have a year or, or so to work on to, to study that. Um, you know, one of... And, in that regard, I, I, my question to SR this week was, uh, if Gabriel needs to work something out regarding Dante and Beatrice and the Divine Comedy and not telling the whole story, did you ever feel in this way in your own reading of Dante? Were you able to work it out? And he said, SR says, many times I've struggled to understand Dante, and I still don't think I understand all of his writings. So it's, I thought that was a great question. I'm putting that in the chat box because I liked. I, I thought the whole thing was a great, you know, and it's point. A, it's a it's a point that an academic would make to another ac- academic. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I can see where why he may put that in there for Julie and Gable to go through and discuss. Mm-hmm. But you know, just I'm just curious because we know all know that he's read Dante uh, at least once in his oh. lifetime. Many times, I'm sure. Uh, many times, it's great. So, <laughs> so that's why I asked. Um, and and uh, um, Betty made a comment about, can you imagine if Gabriel and Julia married other people? Would they be able to discuss Dante's work with their other spouses? Well, Julia would if she would have married Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Or would they have to call each other in order to have this type of chats? Well, First of it, all, I can't imagine Gabriel and Julia not being together. No, but... but it, it, um, it, Academically, yeah, you, they would be peers. They would call each other and chat all the time about issues and ideas that they're doing. I have a lot of mm-hmm. friends who are professors, and that's what they do. They'll they'll call their colleagues that they've, um, you know, that they've worked with, and try and figure things out together. 
you know, they can they can discuss things back and forth with the, with other colleagues. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure uh, Gabriel's done that with Catherine. I'm sure Catherine did it not just with was it old Huck Hutch. Oh yeah, Hut Hut. Old Hut. Um, or other professors she may have had in her lifetime. And I'm sure Richard, being in the science department, they're going to be doing that too. Yes. And, as far as. You know, I mean, look at how many medical papers are put together by doctors from different specialties and universities. And, and uh, you know, you get collaborations from, like, universities in, in Great Britain and here or France and you know, Germany. You know, they're just all over the place. So. Mm-hmm. So Gabriel has agreed with, uh, with her and touches her face because, uh, you know, Julia defines love for him. Yeah. You know, just like Beatrice defined love for Gabriel, or for Dante. And that's why he thought that they were missing part of his story. So Julia mentions that the, uh, that grief kind of clouds the mind. And, you know, it's, you know, Beatrice dies. He's lost her. He's only seen her twice in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so look at the way that her father got involved with that blending so she brings it back to herself right and and the and i think this is i think this is a good point about grief it does Mm -hmm. cloud the mind it does because it's so overwhelming and there's it's you're recovering from a type of trauma Mm -hmm. you know and it it does it it it's it's taking space in your mind it's it's you know really challenging you it does, um, and when when and when you get to a point where, um, like with Deb Lundy, where you know you're, you know, let's face it, Tom had a lot of things to work out about his his ex wife. Yes, you know, and his not his lack of treatment for Julia, but his, uh, you know, he was kind of standoffish with her all the time. There was a distance because they were in St. Louis as opposed to Zealand's Grove. Or in that particular area. So, I mean, there's a lot that he had to work out. And Deb probably fulfilled something in that, negatively or positively, fulfilled something within that need that they had. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so she did not think that it would have happened if he had not been so messed up after his mother. Her mother died. And, and, you know, Gabriel kind of agrees with that. Um, and Julie continued saying, you know, your sister's having a really hard time right now. As we yeah. saw at dinner, you know, Richard and Re- uh, Rebecca. The discussion about Deb Christmas. And Christmas. Right. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, you know, her, her pairing, they, she believes Catherine is Wonder Woman and, and tries to pair her, her off with her dad. Um you know, Julia thought that was kind of funny that Catherine picked him as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Gabriel thought ridiculous, as ridiculous as, as the Catherine-Richard combination was, um, it was a bit strong. And so he says, Wonder Woman can have her choice of partners. It not doesn't matter what her age is. As uh, Julia struck Gabriel in, in the chest... Reminded her of uh, the costumes, mm-hmm. and it, it it does things to people. You know, the Wonder Woman outfit that 
Catherine might be the one. <laughs> so we asked uh, SR, uh, does the double meaning of Dante's devotion to Beatrice and God also extend to Dante's guilt? And he says, feeling shame in front of both Beatrice and, uh, Beatrice and God. And he thinks, SR thought that was about right to mm -hmm. answer your question to him. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was just curious if that's, um, you know, it's not just about a story of, of Dante and Beatrice. There's, there's double meanings, um, throughout, mm -hmm. uh, Dante's work. And I thought that was one of them. <laughs> and Betty wants to know if there was a lasso of, uh, truth. <laughs> truth. Kinky, I think, she mm -hmm. writes. Diana Prince had that beautiful lasso that, uh, depending upon which Wonder Woman you, file, you follow, it's a CGI mm -hmm. or it was gold painted. <laughs> yes, well, it, the costume, as uh, Julia noted, does things to people. And mm -hmm. Gabriel completely agreed with her as he captured her wrist and pulled her closer. And he said, yes, and that raises the question, why didn't you dress up for me on Halloween? And Julia's response was, buy me a costume, help me get a good night's sleep, and I'll dress up for you anytime. <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. Sleep is paramount right now. She, oh, yeah. she needs her that, sleep. That first and few she'd, be happy, she'd be happy to dress up in anything you want, Gabriel. Just give me a little sleep here. <laughs> And uh, yes, Ashley, parallelism with Dante and Gabriel as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so Gabriel moves closer and puts his arm around her and said that he would hold her to that. And we know that Gabriel will hold her to that. He smiled and chuckled, saying how lucky he was at marrying his Beatrice. And he laid by her side. And um, so kissing her reverently, staring down at her, he, he was reflective and he said he would do anything in his power to protect you and take you and Claire with me to Scotland. And Julie had said she couldn't fault him for doing that. And you can imagine their kind of entwined and she's touching his hair and um she she said look we want the same things but my per position at harvard is precarious and gabriel un understood this and he said it's really difficult standing back and doing nothing and and julia said but you're not doing nothing you're a, you are supporting me and that is not doing nothing. And this idea um, generated another question from us to SR. Um, regarding Harvard, Gabriel doesn't want to do nothing. And Julia tells him he is doing something. He's supporting her. Is Gabriel able to accept that supporting Julia is actually doing something? And SR says, no, he is a man of action which I think really mm -hmm. puts an exclamation point on the character. Um, and I think that I thought that was an interesting delineation um, because it's, it's a being and it's a state of being versus a state of doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
he wants to do something. He wants but to be a fixer. Right. But Julia also Julia needs him and wants him to be her her support in this and to respect her decision. And I think there's you know, I think that's the and and I think that's the rub. I think he is respecting it and he's doing it, but it's it's, it's very difficult him. for him. It's, it's very, him. very counter to what he wants to do. Um, cause he wants to go in and fix everything. So, um, Betty noted, uh, regarding the costumes that sounds like a good deal, but I still doubt she will wear a costume. Julia's idea of a costume is his French beret. <laughs> Brenda said, Gabriel's a gentleman and will not let his woman fall behind. He is a fixer and a doer. So, and you know, Gabriel told Julia how he loved her. He desperately loved her. Kissing her, parting her coat, and he slides his hand under the coat and under her blouse. And Julia questioned and looked at him, here? Now? Now come on, Julia. You know your husband better than that. Yeah. Of course. Of course he is. Anytime, place, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but Gabriel said, yes, right here, right now. He said, I need you. Her hands... Um, caressed his neck and you can see them kind of entwining on the blanket and you know one of the things I love about SR's writing and he he, he uses um, kind of going into the third person um, giving that third person perspective by animating and bringing to life the things in nature so you know as a cloud passed over the moon Staring down at them, uh, they're the kind of nature is watching them um, as they go to make love. And Gabriel took the opportunity to undo her blouse and her jeans, and he was kissing her neck, worshiping her, and asked her what she wanted. Her only impassioned response was for him to touch her. And Yes, Betty noted, um, in general, men want to fix the problems. They don't understand that we sometimes just need to talk. You know, and I was just Good thinking, point. I've been thinking about Ashley's parallelism of Dante and Gabriel and forgiveness a little bit. I think to a point that Gabriel has forgiven, has been given forgiveness, whether it be by, by God or by his, his own expression of beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, where Dante never had that chance. Right. You know, he, he never right. had the chance to sit down with, with Beatrice and, and go through the whole litany of who, what, where, when, and why for that. Right. Where, well, it's, it was an unrequited love. Yeah, it was. You know, As that we, chaste and pure and distant, there was no, you know, mm -hmm. connection. And as also as uh, Betty noted, the clouds are watching them just now, and the cow jumped over the moon. <laughs> the or, cow's about to jump over the moon. <laughs> or as as in Hollywood cartoon metaphor, where you've got the train whistling down the track and goes into a tunnel. <laughs> Ashley said, "Wildest dreams" from Taylor Swift is singing in her head right now as she's fanning <laughs> herself um, as the scene unfolds. So, you know, he's being very wary of, of 
uh, you know, scar, you know, because the C-section scars can be very sensitive for a, uh, a while as having had a C-section. And, you know, she told him she was not overly sensitive. And, yes, he's worshipping at her breasts. And, and she's moaning. And he says, you know, he, she didn't really have to worry about making noise or not making noise because they were... There was nobody around, and this was probably the most private place they could be. Right. Be as loud as you want, honey. Be as loud as you want. Yeah. <laughs> Scream that out. No, um. Anyway. Just reminding me of something else. Anyway. Um. <laughs> So she she gives way by telling him exactly what she wants, and uh, this is where the train starts going into that tunnel. Yes, and um, so she's you know she's he made love to her as only a lover with the ease of a partner could, because I think there's a certain familiarity with the one person that you've married or are living with for a, a specific length of time. There's you know each other. You know each other's moves. You 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 can instinctively feel that moving along together. Right. You can you you anticipate because you you have that intimacy. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I mean that's that's that special connection and the knowledge, mm-hmm. as they say. That's true. And uh, so Gabriel, you know, told her that she both she's both aroused and delighted by him, and that. Gabriel's now flipping over on his uh, screaming. And, um, <laughs> yeah, she was really happy that he uh, said she aroused and delighted him. Yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> and uh, that's when his own pleasure took him over. And as they relax under the blanket and the stars, the, uh, the canopy of stars are shining down on them. So Betty is saying that, you know, Julie could sing the opera right now and no one but Gabriel would hear her. <laughs> this is the truth. This is very true. So, so we, you know, you asked, uh, you write such beautiful intimate love scenes between Julia and Gabriel. How do you approach writing an intimate lovemaking scene and tips for aspiring writers on how to craft the scene? As I thanked Thank you. And uh, uh, research is very important, and that's where the the giggle research comes through. That mm-hmm. we've had when we always time. giggle about research. Yeah. That's why, if you if you were wondering why we say that, because yeah. he always says he has the research is very important. And 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 to be fair, that there he's gone through um, Rabbi Shmuley's books and and other areas well, as well. And I think studying how, because there are tons of authors and books that will discuss how to write an mm-hmm. intimate scene mm-hmm. and make it realistic without being schmaltzy or right, corny. Right. And I mean, I, Goog- I I was Googling that to see how, you know, how I would even phrase the question. Mm-hmm. And um, there's tons of resources. I mean, mm-hmm. Diana Gabaldon, I believe, wrote a book uh, or wrote a, at least a a small, a small book discussing how to do it mm. and how to to make it, you know, a, as a guide for writers. So, um, 
I, I, I do not doubt that he does a lot of, a, a lot um, of serious yeah. online research as well as um, seriously intimate offline research. That's a very good possibility. So, um, but he also says, I also think about the characters and what I'm trying to convey about them and their relationship and how this changes over time. And again, it's that intimacy factor that you learn as you live and move on together. And I think he does such a great job at displaying that. I mean, this scene that we just saw is a perfect example. You know, it's think about how this has evolved since their very first time in the orchard and from their times um, in Florence and Belize. And, you know, it's it's showing that progression that uh, it's showing how the characters have evolved. It's showing how they've grown, how they've grown together. Um, the familiarity um, mm-hmm. and the deepening of their relationship and their love. It's, he just does such a beautiful job of it. He, he really, really does. He absolutely does. So, and uh, Laurie pictures us are having an apple orchard on his property. I know, right? You, you kind of, you wonder. You, mm-hmm, or if he ever had, you know, Maybe. Or if he has another pro- maybe SR has like a, a vacation property with a big orchard on it. Either, you know, either that. I, I sometimes wonder if he, you know, I always think he has, uh, there's so many beautiful lakes in Ontario. Mm. I, I often wonder if he has a lake house up there somewhere. So, in any event. Just like Helena hunting, she has, she has a lake house. You, I'm Another like, great Canadian uh, romance writer. My my husband always talked about a, a, a place that his family went when they lived in Canada. It was on a lake. In fact, they they took a cat there with them um, on one vacation. I just remember this story a lot. Um, that they get up there, you know, they spend their time at this lake and how wonderful it was. Kids running around and I'm sure my husband and his brother were teasing his sister unmercifully with whatever <laughs> natural animal around at the time. Oh, yes. And, uh, but they, the cat, they were getting ready to leave and the cat bolted from the car and they, they searched for the cat for like two hours and never found the cat. And, oh, no. and how sad it was that, you know, this, they, they, they had to go. Uh, and they, you know, they would go back every now and then to see if the, the cat was around, but sadly it wasn't. So, never well, maybe it went on and had um, fun adventures or found another family to uh, entertain. That's possible. It's hard, though. It is yeah. hard that when that happens. Um, and, but, it, you know, even, uh, even as a kid, they also, he went to camp up there as a kid and little camp buckaroo and that was on the lake that's where he one of the places he learned how to swim so i love it i love it and you know i'm, I'm looking at the chat box as well and it, it is possible i mean i know Lori's envisioning sr having an apple orchard mm-hmm. um having i'm sure he does have his places of solitude you know, just as Gabriel finds the orchard, uh, the place that he can really 
think. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I really envision SR having, having places like that where he can, he can kind of listen to his inner voice. Um, and, and Betty, I, I like your comment as well. I wanted to share that. Um, she says, I love the intimate scenes. They always show a connection between the characters mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. It isn't too graphic, but it gives just enough to keep the reader satisfied. Yeah. Yes. And it's not gratuitous. Right. Hankies can, uh, you know, hankies can come out on occasion. On occasion, especially when you're in Florence and you're in Prince. Yes. Or when you're in Santorini or mm-hmm. in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, with that's, that's uh, Nicholas Casserer mm-hmm. because wow, some of those scenes were they were pretty scorching hot. Yes, they were. Um, but to his point, and I think this is why they're so beautifully written, but so successful as well. It it always demonstrates the relationship, and it always demonstrates the character, um, and the direction of the story. And I think that's why it's so well. Um, Anna notes the apple orchard is also poignant in the in Fifty Shades for Christian, mm-hmm. right? And I again, right, because of the Twilight fanfic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that tie. Um, I think there's a tie to nature in general, and and that grounding of of all being in this common human experience. Mm-hmm. Or, or in the case of Willie, you know, supernatural experience. Um, <laughs> Betty loves Nicholas, and she said, and Willie and his bites. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. Yes, the truth. that is the truth. So uh, I guess, Pam, I can't believe it's already after 10. We've already hit the, we're, we're over the hour mark. Mm-hmm. Um as a, yes, the speaking, orchard replaced the meadow from mm-hmm. when Ellie noted. Yes, the and orchard replaced the meadow. I love the fact he picked the orchard. I just think that's um, well. Speaking of orchards, that's where my granddaughter and I are headed to this afternoon. That's wonderful. The annual apple picking. Yep, or, and pay ride. That and of course, hayride. because of last year, we couldn't do because of the virus and stuff. Uh, pandemic, but we're going to do it today, and it'll should we're looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I'm going to leave us today with a little Crosby, Stills and Nash, Sweet Judy, Blue Eyes, which was written about uh, Judy Collins, and I, I'm one. Of, I forget which one. It might have been Graham Nash. I think had a relationship with her, and it was written about that. So. Oh. Enjoy everyone and have a great weekend and we'll see you all next week. Yes, everyone, please take care. Um, prayers for Ellie, prayers for Cheryl and her grandfather and mm-hmm. uh, prayers for wellness for all of you. Um, sending you lots of love. Have a great, great weekend. And uh, we'll be back with chapter 34 next week. Catch you later. Chestnut brown canary, ruby throated sparrow, sing the song, don't be long, thrill me to the marrow.
Voices of the angel ring around the moonlight. Asking me, said she's so free. How can you catch the sparrow? Lacy lilting lyric, losing love like Change my life, make it right, be my life. 